Well, it's time for Mid-South Viewpoint. Hi, I'm Byron Tyler. So glad, friend, you stopped by as we welcome a dear friend, Pastor Ricky Floyd from the Pursuit of God Church in Frazier. Brother Ricky, it's good to see you. How are you doing? Man, I am feeling great and excited about being in your presence again. I always feel it's a bonus and favor from God to be in your presence because I know some good things are happening whenever you're around, my friend. Brother, you are too kind, <laughs> and I'm just humbled by those words, yeah. and I and I truly— I really mean it. I, and I know you do. Yeah. I do. And I have such respect for mm-hmm. you. For you to say that is such an encouragement. Yeah. And, you know, in the body of Christ, we need to encourage each other. I remember the other day I was kind of sharing a heart concern with a fellow brother, I wasn't expecting the response I got. You yeah. know, it, it, it was it didn't lift me up. <laughs> Have you ever had those experiences? Unfortunately, I've had too many of those experiences. You know, sometimes as a minister, you found out that you can't be vulnerable to people. They expect you to be at one hundred and ten percent like Jesus at all times. And when you reveal your humanity and vulnerability, some people feel almost make you feel like you've lost the faith. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So. Well, I have no idea where we're going today on this program. I told you when we were texting back and forth, we could talk about whatever you wanted yeah. to. I took the opportunity to visit your Facebook page, which I'm Uh-oh. friends with you, and I saw <laughs> multiple posts. I thought this yeah. would be fun, yeah. and we could just talk about some of these. And one of the posts you made recently was, what makes you happy? Now, yeah. I want to ask you some of the responses, but before we do, what makes Ricky Floyd happy? Family. Family makes me happy. Probably, they're probably close to a tie, an altar call with a repentant sinner. When I see people at the altar accepting the sacrifice that Jesus and Father God made for them, that is probably the most joyful event of my life. Ricky, have we lost the sensitivity to the Spirit of God working among us for that? Because... The Bible says the angels in heaven rejoice over one soul, and yet it's almost like the shootings on the 6 o'clock news, you know, we just become immune to them. Are we becoming immune to the working of God among us? I think we are, and I'll even go as far as to say whatever you focus on grows. I think because we put so little attention on God, on the signs, wonders, miracles, and movements that are happening in earth at this time that God is, there are some movement happening, but we don't talk about those. We're so busy talking about guns and rapes and murders and and racism that we're giving them priority, and we're actually giving energy or increasing the power, the authority for them to prevail. Uh, And and so uh, we've got to share the gospel, the good news. And I was with a group in in, uh, uh, Jackson, Tennessee the other day, a group of pastors, business leaders, uh, educators, and they were debating about should they do a press conference on something positive. And I told him, I said, if y'all do something negative, y'all don't have to call a press conference. (laughs) We've got to let the gospel, the good that is being done in the hood, be known. That's the good news, right? That's the good news. And the Bible tells us to proclaim it, to decree it, to declare it, to preach it. When you talk about miracles and wonders, and I think we forget sometimes, Pastor, that the greatest miracle is salvation the yes, gospel is yes. the greatest transformation th- yes. th- that miracle there the fact that god would give 
a perfect, righteous, without spot, blemished son yes. for someone wretched like us. It, it, that's a miracle. It doesn't miracles means it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't add up. It, there's no yes. logic to yes. it. There's no logic to the fact that God loved us when we were opposing Him mm. and was making ways of provision for us out of hell, torment, pain, mental abuse, anxiety. Wow. He made way when we didn't even we didn't respect the way maker. My, yeah. Oh my. Well, when you say that, what makes you happy? And even among the church, you prioritized a couple of very important things. You you prioritized yeah. family mm-hmm. and also seeing a soul come to Christ. Mm. But I think we've kind of gotten a blurred vision some. Mm-hmm. And, and even in the church, yeah. what what makes us happy aren't those things. Yeah. Buildings are making us happy now. Large crowds are making us happy now. Uh, airplanes are making us happy now. Titles and position are making us happy right now. But having family and pleasing God, and I think those two things that, that made Jesus happy. Those are the two things that made Jesus happy because a lot of the biblical principles revolve around him talking about family. The whole kingdom precept was around family. You posted something else. I like this. Your lack of self-respect let you disrespect your parents. Your parents let you disrespect the pastor. Your pastor lets you disrespect the police, and the police lets you disrespect your politicians. The politicians had no respect for you. I said this when President Trump was in office, and I saw how a lot of pastors, political leaders, allowed the highest office in America to be ridiculed. Whether you agree with his politics or not, the dishonor, the disrespect. And I can say the same thing when Obama was in office. The disrespect that was – and I said that there's going to be a price to pay for dishonoring that office of presidency in America on both sides, whether you were Obama, Democratic, whether you were Trump, Republican. You cannot disrespect the office. In my opinion, I believe that's what we're seeing now. It breeded a spirit of rebellion. And the Bible talks about how rebellion is as of witchcraft. And so what we're looking now because of the last 12 years of dishonor that we've had for their office, I think the results of crime, the increase of boldness for sin, even people in high offices voting for sin and and co-signing for sin, and even some churches are joining the bandwagon. It is a result of dishonoring offices, positions that God has ordained. Oh, Pastor Ricky. Well, and the Scripture tells us we're supposed to pray for those in authority. And also there's an example of uh, David before he became king. Mm -hmm. Saul was on his pursuit. You remember? They got caught in this cave. Mm, That's right. David had the opportunity right there to slay him because he was after him. Saul wanted David killed, take him out. And yet David, in humility, he just cut a corner of his garment off to show how close he was. I could have. But he showed the respect and honor for a leadership that wasn't the right leadership. Revenge is not godly. If you're in the will of God, let God, God says vengeance is mine. And so we don't we don't have to fight, argue, cuss, chase people. Just all we have to do is stay focused, faithful and in the will and the hearts of God with our hands to the plow. Yeah. Okay. now here's something else you said. (laughs) Focus people are very offensive to the blurred and blind. Yeah. Don't eat the fruit. What do you mean by that? Well, now that you say that, I got I got to rebuke myself a little (laughs) bit on that. Adam was very focused, but he didn't share the vision. So I'm rebuking myself on that. He didn't share the vision with his helpmate that was suitable to him. 
And but I think because he didn't take the time to fully share the vision with her, Eve got offended. And that open up the Bible says when a person is offended, it opens up the room for a false prophet. And because her real prophet, the one who was supposed to be making decrees and declarations and casting vision over her life was not communicating with her properly. It opened the door for division, for Satan to come talk to her and pull her away from being the help that she was supposed to be right. suitable. Yes. So instead of her being help, she caused hell to enter in. You know, this last week, I've been really focused on a couple of assignments. And so there's been some phone calls that I hadn't been able to make, some phone calls I hadn't been able to return. Somebody called me on the way in here. Uh, you know, where, where are you at? What, what are you doing? And I've tried to explain to them I got about four or five projects working on. So it doesn't mean I don't honor you. It doesn't mean that I don't respect you. There are some yes. things that are requiring a high level of precedence at yes. this time. And so and and when you are demanding that people do what they're supposed to do for their portion, the role that they play in the vision being fulfilled, I found out people are sensitive and get offended by that oh, many times. Pastor, I was visiting with Pastor Dan Henley while I just was telling you mm-hmm. before we went on microphone, dear friend of both of ours. Yeah. We were talking about you, and he said people don't realize how high in demand Pastor Ricky Floyd mm. is, that people are constantly mm. calling, needing, yeah. wanting, asking for advice, directing. Yeah. And, and as a pastor, obviously, that is yeah. a role that you take on. You realize right. that's part of the calling. Mm-hmm. But we're not talking about the ministry of pursuit of God, which is part of it. Yeah. We're talking about other involvement yeah. because you have a love for the city, you want to see a difference in the city. Yeah. And so you're connecting with all sorts of projects and people. Yeah. You know, before before 830 this morning, uh, I talked to a pastor in Columbia, South Carolina. And I talked to a uh, 22-year councilman in Jackson, Tennessee. Uh, I connected them two together because of vision and works that they have. And and like you said, these are not my members. They're not even citizens of, of – uh, they're not even in Frazier, Memphis, Tennessee, or, you know. But, but because I know uh, that the call that they have on the life – you know, I, that's one of the things that I think God has called me to do, Byron, is I'm a kingdom connector. Uh, I'm a bridge. And I deal with such a diversity group that sometimes I get accused by both of the groups of, you know, sometimes the white people say I'm a a race baiter and then the black people say I'm an Uncle Tom. And I remember one day I was I was kind of soaking in on that. You know, I'm just trying to help everybody and everybody. uh, They don't like me. They don't like me. And my wife came and sit down and pat me on the knee. She said, what good is a bridge? That doesn't touch both sides. In other words, I don't have to choose this side. I don't have to choose this side. I'm a bridge. My job is to get both of them to cross over and meet each other and form a relationship. And where there's no bridge, there can be no crossover. Wow. Great word from Sheila. Man, she's a wise one. How's she doing? She is doing wonderful. Sheila is uh, working on a uh, uh, – trying to think a degree. Now, what's above the associate's? Her bachelor's think, degree? Yeah, I think she's working on a bachelor's yeah. degree. Okay. And just being the greatest grandmother and wife. And, she, of course, she does ministry like no other. No, nobody else could handle doing ministry with Ricky <laughs> Floyd like Sheila does. Man, just a voice of wisdom, reason. God gave me exactly what I needed with Sheila Floyd. Wow. I'm so grateful. That is so beautiful. Yeah. Okay, now, when prayer is not a priority, oh, it yeah. will become an inconvenient. When prayer becomes inconvenient, it will become irrelevant yeah. to you. When prayer becomes irrelevant to you, you will become irrelevant. Prayer wow. is our lifeline to God. It's our communication line. It's for God to pour into us and to pull out of us 
That came one morning. I've had a 5.55 a.m. prayer, and I was really disappointed at the attendance, especially it was originally designed to be a men's prayer breakfast. And I was disappointed because there was only one man from my church there. Instead of celebrating the fact, I got caught up on the fact that there was only one black man from the church. There were women there. I, I said, I'm afraid that prayer does not have priority in our lives. Prayer has become inconvenience to us. If they had to be at a job at 5.55 a.m., they would be there. If somebody was giving away free tickets to the Super Bowl, they would be there. Yeah. If somebody was giving away uh, 72-inch flat screen TVs at a discounted price, they will be there. But prayer once a week has become inconvenience to people. And I said, the church is in trouble when prayer is viewed as an inconvenience. June 5th, you said that you were praying at 3.30 in the morning. Yeah. You will do $15,000 grand opening weekend in lives and community change forever. That's about all you put in that post. Yeah. The project that you're talking about right now, we have, we're in the process of taking possession of a strip mall directly across the street from our church. We believe, Byron, that in the next two to five years that we're going to have a model that we're going to be able to take throughout the United States of America that's going to be one of the best drug team, drug prevention team, pregnancy prevention team, dropout prevention, Christian mentorship business, entrepreneur development program in the United States of America. We're opening a a high upscale thrift boutique. When I say high upscale, 65% of the stuff that we have is brand new, still has tickets on them. And what we're going to do is we're hiring the boys and girls from our girls and mentoring program, which are the ages 13 to 17. Then we're hiring older mothers from the church. And the Bible said, take care of the orphans and the widows. And it's a mentoring program that even on the job, the older women are going to be mentoring these children. We have the children on Monday night. At, uh, at the mentoring program, we have it on Sunday morning. We've got a, a deacon from Bellevue that's kind of hung over with us, John Williams, who's been in business over 50 years and been married over 50 years. On Sunday mornings, he's going to teach the children business skills along with one of our members who works for International Paper. She's about to make the highest, one of the highest levels in the legal department over there. And she's an African-American sister from the inner city. Yeah. So we've got that diversified group of senior and younger people, black yeah. and white, yeah. That's going to be training young people how to do business on a superior level. At the same time, while showing them, teaching them Jesus' biblical principles of doing business. And so we believe that when we teach these children vision, financial literacy, biblical principles, that we increase the chances of not only of them not dropping out, but them being educators. Not only of them not getting pregnant early, but them being great mothers and fathers. So wow. we're extremely excited about that. That's so practical. Yes. I mean, yes. And something else I saw was the beauty and barber shop. Is that still happening? Yeah, that that's part of the matter of fact, I turned the contract in on that building this morning. So we should be hearing something back on that. And what we're going to do, you know, in Frazier, I don't know if you ever heard, and we're in Juneteenth time right now. I don't know if you ever heard of Black Wall Street before. Black Wall Street was in the early 1920s, I think. There was a place in Oklahoma, a black city that had banks, movie theaters, car dealerships. Everything was owned. Some people were not excited about that, and they burnt the whole city down and killed 300 people. I want to have a Christ Wall Street It's about a two-mile strip in front of my church. We've got a 52-unit apartment complex on that street. We want to be able to house people. We want to employ people. 
Our partnership with Agape allows us to give mental and psychological counseling with people. People can get GEDs. They can get a college degree. They can get certified in mechanical. Now we have a coding class where children and parents can take the coding class together. They can shop. They can eat. They can do all of that in a .7 mile (laughs) radius with a wholesome Christian Bible-based entrepreneur and kingdom God spirit. Pastor Ricky, oh my. Well, and you recently helped 70 people position themselves to become homeowners for the first time. If you could just feel the spirit of hope, expectations in that place, man. I have said, Byron, looking at what the real estate market is doing, and uh, I think it's Berkeley, California right now, it will cost you $3,700 a month for a one-bedroom, one-bath apartment. My wife lived in Oakland, California. The house that she used to live in Oakland, California was 900 square feet. That house is going for $950,000 right now. And we're seeing the wave come this way. And I believe that if a person does not buy a house in the next 18 months with what we're seeing with the economy, they may never be able to buy a home. So I have I have jumped on a high horse of passion and conviction about you've got to become home ownerships. You know, in Frazier, Byron, about uh, five years ago, you could have bought a house for about twenty twenty five thousand dollars. That house today you could probably sell for $125,000, And I was on my horse telling people to buy in Frazier now. And there are a few people that listen to me, and they're very, very, very glad they did. <laughs> and so now what's happening is a lot of companies outside of Memphis who not – connected to the spirit of the city, don't have any obligation to the people. They're buying houses for a thousand thousand houses at a time, and they're going to raise the rent up. And so a house that you could have been paying $400 for to own, now you're going to have to pay $1,200 to rent. Oh my. And so that's why I'm so passionate about trying to get people to take home ownership. Can we do right anything now. to stop that? They're trying to look at some laws, but right now uh, they've, already, they've already bought these houses, so there's really nothing that we can do right now. Yeah. And the other thing about it, if they don't fix the houses, what are we going to do? We, we, so they could buy the houses. Remember what I said, a $950,000 house, one for that. Yeah. You can come to Frazier now and buy probably 20 houses for that. So there's no loss for them on that. My goodness. Yeah. Okay, you just mentioned Juneteenth, which is a federal holiday in yeah. the United States, commemorating the emancipation, of course, of enslaved African Americans. Yeah. How should we as the church celebrate and remember this time? You know, first of all, I want to say, man, I'm humble to say the lady who got that bill passed was at our church last year. She was actually at our church. Man, she I think she's probably close to nine she's maybe ninety ninety two years old. And just energetic, passionate, loving. Uh, you just felt the love and the energy. And she started a campaign. I think she walked 1,800 miles uh, and ended up getting our uh, uh, Biden to sign the bill. What was interesting to me was Obama wouldn't sign the bill. Biden signed the bill. Yeah. But this is about people, and, and I, I equate this to Christianity, there are people who've been free 2,000 years ago. The, the, their freedom has been signed, sealed, delivered, and paid for 2,000 years ago. 
And so we as believers have the opportunity and the rights to let them know, hey, you're free. And that's kind of the same thing that happened with these in Texas. There were people that didn't know they were free yet. Some soldiers came and finally revealed to them that they were free. And that's where this celebration came from. I think it had been two and a half years they'd been free and didn't know it. And many of us have been free 2,000 years and didn't know it. And we still live in bondage. We still live in bondage. So connecting with this holiday, Mm -hmm. what do you suggest? Well, there's a lady named Talisa Franklin. Talisa Franklin is the president of the Juneteenth here in Memphis, Tennessee. I really would encourage, especially, this is a time that we have the opportunity to show the unity of Christ, the love of Christ. I would encourage some churches, some businesses, especially white churches, white businesses, you know, a majority to partner with Talisa Franklin as a as an olive branch. You, you don't owe her anything, but it's showing the love of Christ. It's, it's, yes. it's not an obligation. It's an opportunity to come along somebody and make an awareness known and make the love of God. This is we don't want people to feel guilty. We don't want people to feel obligated. We want people to come alongside and just share the love of God. And, and Talisa Franklin is just doing an amazing job and making aware. Matter of fact, this Friday, they are having a musical and a play at our church at 10 a.m. in the morning and 7 p.m. at night at 3759 North Watkins that's dealing with uh, Juneteenth. Do you need to get tickets? You put me on the spot. I think okay. so. Call Call the can, church? Yeah, call. Can I give the number out for the church? Do, yeah, yeah. Get, call the church at 353 5772. That's 901 353 Five seven seven two, and they'll do a better job at informing you than I did. I'm just a pastor, man. <laughs> no, this is great. Well, I saw that you're considering a topic either in July or August oh, yeah. at Pursuit called Overcoming Hurts. Why is that something that's on your heart right now? You know, and I don't know, Byron, if, if this is big in the, uh, the suburban churches as it is in the inner city churches, the terminology church hurt, is it? Do you, do you all hear that a lot? Well, give me a definition. Uh, man, so church hurt, that's when people say they don't go to church anymore because the church damaged them. Oh, yeah. We hear that. Yeah. It's a big hashtag. It's a everything. But many times, uh, of course, some of it is legitimate. Some of it is because people wouldn't co-sign with your rebellion. Mm-hmm. And here's what I've discovered. I think 90% of the people that leave churches leave because of five or less people. What a tragedy. You could be a member of a 5,000-member church, and you run into five fruitcakes, dingbacks, <laughs> berry, and oats, and you let them make you move your assigned place. Yeah. And so, but not just hurt. You know, I'm, I'm 55 years old. And I can remember a couple of years ago, I walked in the house and my wife looked at me and said, what's wrong? I said, I'm, 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 I'm okay. She said, what's wrong? Uh, I'm fine. What's wrong with you? And I told an occurrence that I had just had with my biological father. And she said, that's enough. I'm not, I'm not, letting, you, I'm not letting that happen to you anymore. Mm-hmm. You're not going back over there again. Yeah. And so here I am, a 53-year-old man, still being wounded and damaged by daddy issues and so we've got to deal with them because i've discovered that undealt issues never die they multiply so what we want to do is we want to have people to deal with their issues sometimes there's some things that you're going to have to acknowledge the role that you played in them and then sometimes you're going to have to do the same thing that christ did to you forgive have forgive and move on 
And so what happens is you have hurt people that hurt people and bitterness. You can never get better because if you're holding on to bitterness. And so we want to show people how to release bitterness, release the pain, begin to focus again on the things of God, the ways of God and the will of God. And many times what happens, Byron, we're punishing those who love us. Mm. By stuff. In our marriage counseling, we discovered that 90% of the things that couples argue about really have nothing to do with each other. They're triggers from childhood wounds that happen before the age of 12, adverse childhood experiences. So we believe that if we can get people to reveal, they can be healed. And so we're going to deal with the real issues and start restoration for for people. Boy, that's a good word, Pastor. Because yeah. I, I know you know whether you're in the inner city church or suburban church, yeah. number, we're people, human. Yeah. have got hurts. Yes, and again, some of them have been lingering and mm-hmm. festering for yeah. way too many years. Yeah. And that's what's transforming about the gospel because there is power there to forgive and to find mm. healing, you know, mm. in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm. Forgiveness is one of the most powerful underused tools in our country uh, right now, in the church. Uh, I said if, you know, <laughs> I said uh, I'm still married. You know, Sheila and I will celebrate 29 years uh, in, in, a, in a, about 10 days, and we're still married because of two things, repentance and forgiveness. Yeah. Repentance and forgiveness. Yes. You know, we're all going to fall short of the glory of God. Amen. And the Bible talks about how divorce is not because of sin. It's because of a hardness of heart. Sometimes the sinner has repented, but the non-sinner heart has become so hard that they can't even receive the repentance of the sinner. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's deep. And, that, and that's a true word that we need to uh, reflect and be open really to, um, again, the movement of God's yeah. spirit mm-hmm. in our relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, we build these walls up so easily. I'll tell you, this has been incredible, and this was just really off the cuff. <laughs> this was not planned, you know. Yeah. I don't know what you wanted to talk about Man, today. Man, we talked about everything <laughs> I want to talk, and more. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. Well, as you know, you're welcome anytime. I know with your busy schedule, but listen, I would love to have you come on a regular basis, my friend, and just share what's on your heart and appreciate you so much. So if folks want information about Pursuit of God, maybe they want to come visit yeah. your church this Sunday. Yes, How can they find you? Listen, it would be a good Sunday to come. I'm teaching a series called 12 Seasons of a Vision. I'll help you understand the process of walking through when God speaks to you, the ups, the downs, the highs and the lows and the strengths and all of that. And we're just uh, receiving a tremendous response. We're at 3759 North Watkins. The testimony is... I can promise you that Bellevue loves Memphis because they gave us a debt-free building that they had in Frazier, about 45,000 square feet of building, 15 acres of land. And so we're in that building doing ministry, a lot of souls being saved, people being baptized, and minds transformed. 10 a.m. service. You can find us on thepursuitofgod.org, or you can go to Facebook, The Pursuit of God Church Memphis, and uh, or you can just stop on by, 3759 North Watkins. <laughs> Ricky Floyd, I love you, my brother. I'm persuaded you love God, me, and family, and I appreciate it. The same to you, God bless you, my friend. Thanks so much for stopping by. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for joining us. I'm Byron Tyler, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.